And this episode of the A-List Podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. I'm your host, A. Sherrod Blakely, and I'm joined by Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe. What's up, Gary? What's up? Why do you act like it's a surprise that I'm here? Like I was here like the last two or three weeks. Like let's because Gary, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to be excited about you. Wait, you can't, like Obama or something. Can I be excited about you being here, Gary? <laughs> no, I, be I know it's not real, but like you act like Barack Obama just stopped by, like you know. See, um, yeah, I can't wait. Watch, like wasn't I here last week? Like, you you know, can't wait to Quanny gets here so that she can balance this ish out because you you being Gary Washburn. Damn it, saying, I'm trying to be excited. Yeah, Gary, these are exciting times, bro. Oh, yeah. The Boston Celtics are winning more yeah. than one game yeah, in a row. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is something to be excited about with this crew, man. Uh, as I mentioned, A-List podcast, Sherrod. Quanny will be here in a little bit, I believe. Uh, we got Gary Washburn from the Boston Globe. And let's just jump right into it. I mean, the big news with this team is you're coming off. Uh, I can't even call it a big win. Uh, it, it is and it isn't at the same time. I mean, you you beat Orlando, which in itself is not a big win. But you got a 50-piece from Jalen Brown in the process. Uh, just your initial impressions of what Jalen was able to do in, in that game. And it just the Celtics finding a way to win that, that Orlando game. I mean, I was impressed with Jalen's performance. Um you know, he's been the lead dog the last couple of games with Jason out. And, you know, he, he willed his team to a victory, um, but it shouldn't have been even that necessary. You know, I mean, Orlando did come back and they played Chicago tough. Um, on Monday night, they lost by four at Chicago. So it's not like they, they played a team that didn't play hard. But, you know, you're you should have won that game going away. Orlando was extremely undermanned, but they just went through that same lull, that lackadaisical thing they go through seemingly almost every game. Um, and then they had to rally and then basically put pressure on a young team that doesn't really know how to hold leads, and they cracked, and they won in overtime. So, I mean, a win's a win in this league. I mean, let's be honest. Milwaukee lost last night to Detroit at home. Um, Brooklyn it's a got big balling. Yeah, Brooklyn got spanked by Memphis. So, you know, there is no letting down or in terms of like there is no easy opponent in the league anymore. I mean, Detroit walked right into Milwaukee and beat the Bucks. Uh, that was probably the most one of the more improbable wins of the season. And then like I said Memphis went into Brooklyn when they were getting healthier and, you know, led by as many as 25 or something at Brooklyn. Uh, so a win's a win. So you can't. Uh, come down on them too hard, but they've got to be more consistent and they've got to take advantage of this part of the schedule to try to get some, you know, get ahead and, and get out of that play in and start building some uh, momentum. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had mixed feelings about the game because, you know, I, I love the fact that Jalen Brown was so damn assertive and aggressive. And I thought that not only was he scoring, but it seemed that it was one of the few games that I've seen the Celtics team play where the way Jalen Brown played, seemed to kind of slow drip among the other guys. Like, it, it looked as though he wasn't the only one out there being uber-aggressive out there. And and they need to figure out when one of their big dogs has it going, they need to replicate the way that they're going about doing their business. Uh, and, and as you pointed out, you know, it was an, it was one of those – the weekend was just one of those periods where 
a lot of not so great teams were having finding ways to win games. You, as you pointed out, you know, Detroit Pistons beating Milwaukee, which should never happen in this this day and age. Even as depleted as Milwaukee may be at times, they should never lose to Detroit because Detroit's that bad. And the, the Brooklyn game, I mean, well, Memphis is real. Uh, Memphis is a legitimate team out West, but they're a legitimate playoff team, whereas Brooklyn is a legitimate title contender. And when you've got James Harden, you got Kevin Durant, both healthy, and you got a lot of the pieces that you're going to be counting on, you shouldn't lose that game, particularly at the crib. Uh, maybe they could have used Antonio Brown, who was, oh, never, never mind, because Antonio Brown would not have showed up on the floor. Uh, you got to have to be in the game to be able to help a team. Uh, that's another story for another day for another podcast. But bottom line is this, Brooklyn, that's a game that Brooklyn obviously felt they should have won. And just watching that game in, in real time, once Kevin Durant and James Harden went off the floor, like they're late in the third, early in the fourth, they actually started getting back into the game behind you know, a, a lot of the, the end of the bench guys. But, you know, Memphis did what smart teams do. Ja, you got to come back in the game. Desmond Bain, who, when they hear his name, there's a little bit of a cringe factor if you're a Celtics fan, knowing that was a guy that literally you had. Uh, but bottom line is the Celtics, you know, they are uh, – there were more things I liked in that Orlando game that I didn't like. And to me, that's progress. And when you talk about progress with this team – you have to look at guys that are getting back from, from COVID, uh, health and safety protocol, Jason Tatum being among them. Uh, now, we've seen the whole Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown tandem for, for years now. Do you think anything will be different at this point in, in their careers, at this point in time where, you know, Jalen coming off a great game, Tatum having a chance to witness that firsthand – is I mean, is there going to be? Are, should we expect anything different from these two going forward? I think that, that it's going to have to be. Um, I hope that you would you would hope that as uh, if you you know follow this team and you've seen how they that you know have grown together that they would take this next step coming up really really soon. I mean, uh, the trade deadline's coming up. The Celtics have to figure out where they stand. As a team, do you add to this roster? Do you do nothing and just wait till next summer? Or do you start trading Schroeder? Do you start trading pieces to try to help you for the future? I think the next month is very critical. Um, I think the fact that Tatum is going to be healthy now, he's over the COVID uh, in terms of uh, what was going to say, um, and Brown is now healthy that um there are it's time you know it's time for this team to step up the schedule gets a little bit easier interesting two game set coming up um th starting Thursday with the Knicks uh you know then they finish the season series with New York already but then I mean it's time for them to start putting the pedal to the metal picking up some wins getting above 500 and start making a move in the East. We're almost halfway through the season. It's time. And that means it's time for Tatum and Brown to stop messing around, stay healthy. And no, you know, the thing that bothered the only thing that bothered me about Jalen's over the last couple of games was just the amount of turnovers, the silly turnovers, the lack of the, the careless ball handling that we saw a lot during his early years, where he would dribble in and you know, guys just swapped, swatted away, swatted off his thigh in the ball, loose ball, because NBA defenses and guys in the NBA 
are going to swipe at the ball. And in college, that's a foul. In the NBA, it's not. And if they see Jalen being kind of loosey with the ball, they're, the scouting report says swipe at it because he's careless with it. He's got to get better at his handle. He's got to stop um, the unforced turnovers, the steals, the, the, you know, getting other teams going by turn over the ball. And the same with Jason. Um, you know, Jason's got to be better too. But you would think now Jalen coming off a 50-point game and then another good game against Phoenix the other night, Jason t- healthy. Okay, now no more excuses, no more COVID excuses, no more injuries, all that. It's time for us to get going. If you're the if you you say that if you're the Celtics and make a move and, and and put it in the next gear because I just think they've been languishing now. It's 37 games of the season. The San Antonio game is very important. They have not played well against the Spurs, especially in Boston over the years. San Antonio is going to come with a game plan because they always play. They're always such a well-coached team with under pop, and it's a game they can't take lightly, you know, and it gets them to 500 if they win, and then you try to take off. That's my thing. Like, it's no more excuses for Brown and Tatum, you know. Let's see what they got. I I agree. And the the one thing about Tatum and Brown that I think is kind of cool is that we've had enough of them playing together, and we've also had sample sizes that are pretty decent – of them when the other is not around. And and my my takeaway with that is this, Tatum is clearly the better playmaker without question. And with Brown, I think that they tend, and by they, I mean the guys around him, they tend to take a little bit more on Jalen's demeanor as far as being aggressive than they do Tatum's, I think. And so to me, when you're able to mash those two things together, Tatum being more of a facilitator, more of a playmaker, and Jalen continuing to be aggressive, but not necessarily being a ball handler in that aggressiveness, because that, at this point, I think is his biggest flaw as a player. I think that gives them that type of potential synergy to take off. And as you pointed out, Gary, the schedule is very amicable for them to have some success. Uh, really, we should be talking a week from now, we should be talking about a Celtics team that's above 500. If, if we're being honest about the teams they're playing and how they should be playing against those teams. Uh, but but we've all seen time and time again that this Celtics team is as unpredictable as can any team can be. Uh, there are games like, for I mean, you look at Phoenix, a team that should have just come in here and smashed them. They did just the opposite of that. They were in control of that game from the outset. And Orlando, a team that, you know, Orlando, it's in their interest to not win games. They're not going to the playoffs. They're not going to compete for the playing game. Every loss is a good thing for that team, and yet they came in here and damn near had this game, you know, in the pocket with about what fourth quarter. They were up double digits. You, in theory, you shouldn't lose games like that. But again, you know, the Celtics—they've got to figure out. And you're right. I mean, Jalen and Jason—they are, you know, they're going to be, you know, the guys that jumpstart this thing. But I do think seeing Tatum being more of a facilitator, which uh, I think he's more than capable of doing, uh, and continuing to rebound at a high level. And that's a part of his game he doesn't really get much credit for. He's been one or two rebounds short of a double-double like the last five games that he played before he went in in the protocol. So he's getting it done at that end of the four. And his assist numbers have been pretty decent. I mean, they've been like four and better, I think, in like five of the last six games or something like that. And, And again, your point about Jalen, that was my biggest issue. And we talked about this on the Garden Report after the game. My biggest issue with him was the turnovers. The fact is he's turning a ball over like James Harden, but you're not giving me James Harden production. 
because James Harden, he'll have four, four, five, six turnovers, but he'll have like seven, eight, nine assists. He'll have 30, 35 points. When you're turning the ball over six, seven times and you get like two, three assists, bruh. And most of those turnovers aren't even the defense all up in your grill. They're just like you losing the ball, trying to make a move. You, you've got to tighten that thing up if, if, the, if you're going to have the kind of success and help this team the way you are capable of. So, but bottom line is they got a couple of wins. They, they certainly have reasons to, to be a little bit more optimistic about themselves uh, going forward. And, you know, one of the things that I'm always optimistic about is betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march towards the end of the season, BetOnline remains the number one spot for all your sports action this season. Basketball, football, NHL, hockey, little UFC fight night action, Vegas casino games, you name it, BetOnline has it. Fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Don't forget the promo code CLNS50. CLNS50 bet online where the games start. Now, we, we talk a lot about the Celtics, G, but I mean, there, there's a lot of other stuff happening around the league. And I wanted to kind of, kind of pick your brain a little bit about that and kick it about the elephant in the room when it comes to like COVID and, and, and playing and all that. Kyrie Irving looks like your boy Kai is, is going to be back in the mix fairly soon. West Coast. Clay Thompson is also expected to be back fairly soon. Now, when you look, obviously, those are two significant pieces for their respective teams. Who do you think is going to make the bigger impact on their return? Boy, that's a good question. I'll probably say Kyrie because uh, I think bring Clay back really slow, you know, maybe 10, 12 minutes. Because remember, he's been off two and a half years. His yeah. last appearance was June of 2019. And why I and I think I was saw uh, was watching a game last night, and they said just unbelievable with this pandemic how long ago that really was in terms of before the pandemic when Toronto had Kawhi, right? I mean, all these things were so different, and it was just literally two and a half years ago, and that's the last time Clay has played in the game. So you're talking about nearly three years off, like pushing two and a half solid two and a half years. Um, I don't know if a player has ever, you know, been in that situation where it hasn't been where they went overseas or they, you know, like, I don't know if a player's ever missed two and a half years. Um, and I'm sure there, there's a list of guys, maybe a, a handful, maybe, but not went overseas and came back to the league or went to the G League. Like, you know, Joe Johnson hadn't played in three years or whatever, but he was in the, he was in the big three, you know, he's in training camp, like. We're talking about inactivity for two and a half years. So if I'm the Warriors and they're already dominating, why throw him out there and, and make him have to play? Just you just want him to get a sweat, get the get the mental back because obviously he's um, going to be concerned about getting hurt again simply because he did, you know, have two very major injuries. So I think Kyrie, he gives Brooklyn a lift. Brooklyn seems to need a lift right now. Um, Kyrie is completely healthy. He's 100% fresh. He has had not the bumps and the bruises. He hasn't played since uh, um, May, you know, or June, I think, or whenever Eastern Conference semis were. So he is literally, you know, seven months, six months from playing ball, but has been working out, 
So I think they they throw him in there, work it out. And so I think Kyrie at this point makes a bigger impact because on the Warriors, you don't need Clay to do anything right now besides get healthy and get in shape. Speaking of getting healthy and, and getting in shape, Kwani is here. I'm 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 assuming you're in good health and you're in good shape, Kwani. I am. I am. I yeah, I had a doctor's appointment. I had to take care of my health first. But exactly. I'm See, good. Gary, Gary was cringing. Gary was like, What's your ride going with this? Where he go? There you go. There you go, G. It's called the transition. Don't you know I'm a point I'm a point guard at heart? Gary transition game. I got this. I got this. Kwani, but uh we were just talking about Kyrie and Kelly Thompson and who would make the bigger impact. And and Gary is once again on Kyrie's team because uh, he's always on Kyrie's team. Yeah, uh, I am. <laughs> I'm taking Clay on this one, and here's I'm taking both, Ashley, and I'm gonna tell you why I'm taking both. Kyrie is going to make a much more significant impact short term for all the reasons Gary laid out. The fact is, Brooklyn needs him so mm-hmm. much more than Golden State needs Clay to get on the floor and make an yeah. impact. But when you're talking about the big picture, you're talking about winning a championship. Golden State is my new favorite. To win, to win it all when once Clay gets back. Because as Gary eloquently pointed out, they are going to ease him back into the flow. But best believe when the chips are at the middle of the table and we're talking playoffs, Miles, Clay right, Thompson going to be that it's dude. A big stretch. It's a, I'm going to take the team with the best record in the league who hasn't had their all-star. I'm going to pick them to win the title. Sherrod, you ain't exactly Gary. going to win there. Like, Golden State was oh, not going to win the title if Clay doesn't come back. Golden State will not win a title if Clay does not come back. I don't care what their record is. They're not going to beat Brooklyn. They're not going to beat Phoenix if they don't have Clay Thompson. Okay. Because I'm telling Clay, Clay puts them over the top. And you know this. They are, they're just one of the really good teams out west without him. With him, they become that team. You got your boy Andrew Wiggins balling out. You got Jordan Poole, who's doing his thing off the bench behind the soon-to-be Splash Brothers 2.0. You got Draymond Green doing Draymond Green things. Come on, now you got you start looking at that roster. You give me all the reasons why they win without Clay, though, right? What's that? You give me all the reasons why they win without Clay because all these guys. They need more, Gary. They need more. The balling. They need more than they need more than what they got to win it all. Because go ahead. No, I think I think what what. They're they're a team that is very sound, talented, but everything has to go right. Everything is gone. They've stayed. Yeah, frozen. Relatively healthy. I don't think they've been affected. Can you all hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Freeze frame. Dude, that ain't my fault. Sherrod, you got that. Of course, he has to blame yeah. us. I so can't anyway, stand you. See, you got, of course, it's our fault. Right. It's your fault. But y'all... Okay, Cal. But the Warriors have had everybody like you saw. Otto Porter Jr. came there and resurrected his career. Um, you know, Draymond's been Draymond. Like, Andrew Wiggins, like, a, on the verge of an all... Everything has gone right for them. Right? And so I think that's helped. But I also think they have that winning culture there. Like, they know how to win. They not, Gary Payton was free to, to sign anybody in the league. The Warriors 
brought him in, and all of a sudden he's the light was kind of unpopular there. He's shown that he's worth it. That roster spot. So that's good management, as they have, good drafting, good decisions, and everything's gone right. Now, and we haven't talked about Sherrod. We haven't talked about James Wiseman. Okay. And so they're going to get a fresh young big to add to their, you know, because Kevon Looney is, got, is, is a solid big. He's got his limitations. You're going to add Wiseman and Thompson. Yeah, I think they're the favorites at this point because you can't trust Brooklyn at this point. Phoenix, I like Phoenix a lot. Um, I think they'll be the Warriors' biggest competitor. That Western Conference Finals between Phoenix and Golden State is going to be a war. Mm-hmm. If Clay's not in the building, I'm taking Phoenix, though. I'm going to tell you that now. I don't care who's got home court. I'm taking Phoenix. That's I'm the tricky Phoenix. part about this entire debate because with each team, you look at their standing in their respective conferences, and I think both of them could have this equal amount of impact on their roster. The thing that I'm hesitant about Kyrie is the fact that he's been inconsistent for the last few years when it seemed as though things weren't going his way. So if in an ideal world, I think for Kyrie, he would have a bigger impact on Brooklyn, especially with the East. I think it's a little, I don't want to like dumb down the East, but I think generally it seems to be a easier conference for the Nets to come out on top versus the Warriors do have that competition in the West with the Suns that everyone's banking on them to get back. So I don't even know what my answer is because I just rambled, but I guess I would she say has the she most. She, she absolutely rambled. Well, here's, here's, the, here's the other thing. He's going, he's going to give Brooklyn that stimulus that they need to get back on track and start winning and close that gap between them and Chicago. But with Clay, you don't get that drama. You just get. Well, you're, you're, well, you're, you're gonna, it's going to be a lot of stop and start with him. I mean, he's going to have a couple good games because they're going to be on the road and they're going to come home and he's going to sit back and be bro man, chilling, yeah. watching the game like we do. And then it's going to be like, oh, got to go back to work. Got to hit the road. Got to go to work now. Yeah. That's, I'm not so worried about continuity or any of that other stuff. I'm just simply thinking that you're not going to be able to have the kind of cohesiveness when right. it matters most. Right. Because of that, you need to feel as though you are in those trenches from sun up to sundown. Not from sun up when we're on the road to sundown. Got to go back home. And then it's just like, okay, you got to go and do what you got to do. I I think it's going to be very problematic for them deeper into the season and when we get into the playoffs. Because, I mean, the scenario that I'm thinking of, and and, Mm -hmm. and I I, I know that the the Nets, I got to believe they thought about this. What if we lose, like, you know, game five at home and we're down three two no we lose game five on the road and we're down three two and we got to come home for game six and we lose game six at home and then it's just like how's that going to play out with your fan base yeah how's it going to play out in that locker room yes you were glad to have him back because you want him to give all that he can but that's kind of part of the problem you're yeah, not getting exactly. all he has to offer yeah. um so I mean, again, I hope Brooklyn has a lot of success because I think they're a good team. But I just think Kyrie's return at some point is going to bite him in the ass. Mm-hmm. And most likely that's going to be in the playoffs. What do you think, G? I think that you think they hope, one, that the rules of New York are, are different in, in May than they are now. And two, that maybe Kyrie is encouraged to get vaccinated before then to where he understands the importance to this team trying to win a championship 
and he says, you know what, I'm going to do this. Now, I don't bet on that because he's a stubborn person. He hasn't gotten it already. He's still like, hey, I'm not vaccinated, you know. But so, you know, there's a, a several athletes who are around there who feel the same way. But I think the, 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 the Nets are banking that he is convinced that this is the best thing I need to be about my team, especially when he gets to playoff time. And yeah, there's going to be competitors to Brooklyn in the East that they might not have home court advantage. Chicago looks like the real deal of 25 and 10. I think it's the third best record or fourth best record in the NBA, best record in the East. The Bulls look like they're a formidable opponent. There's Milwaukee, um, you know, and Philadelphia, Miami. You know, there's, there's, there's some teams there. So there's no guarantee that the Nets won't be the third or fourth seed. Mm-hmm. Whether Chicago and Milwaukee race it, you know, run, have great runs to the end of the season, Brooklyn might be the third seed or even the fourth seed if Philadelphia or Miami wake up, right? So you just don't know at this point. Um, I think that's why they're bringing Kyrie back because they don't want to be that fourth seed. And let's be honest, like uh, home court advantage for them is sort of a disadvantage because Kyrie can't play at home. But like you said, if they lose a game five at home and they got to, sorry, on the road and they got to come home and win a game six, what's going to happen but I think they're thinking like let's let's just get him on the floor, get him with, with his teammates, and then we can worry about that in May. But right now it's January. Yeah, and it, it's and again you you mentioned Chicago, who has been I think probably maybe the biggest surprise of of the season as far as the way that they're winning, how they're they put this team together, and you know a big part of what they're doing is Demar Derozan. Uh, you know people forget that. You know, when they think of DeMar Rose and they think about, oh, yeah, Mr. Toronto, and forget about that little hiatus he took in San Antonio. Right. Uh, DeMar Rosen, you know, and, and we've, we've been around the league long enough to know every year there's like there's five candidates for league MVP, and there's always that one guy who probably doesn't belong in his list, but he's having a great season and his team is balling out. So we're just going to throw his ass in the list. Isaiah yeah. Thomas, I love him to death. That's my dude for life. He was in oh. that list. Oh, and he yes. was, who was that yeah. guy? And this but year, it looks like DeMar Russell DeRozan. Westbrook and James Harden. Right. <laughs> this year, it looks like DeMar DeRozan might be that guy. The way that the Bulls, if the Bulls continue to have the best record in the East, which is not as big a stretch as, as, as it might, as people might think, DeMar DeRozan deserves to be in that conversation. He's not going to win it. Yeah. But if you're talking about the top five candidates in the league, am I crazy to think that DeMar DeRozan, if the Bulls can maintain their spot atop the East, should be in that conversation? No, I think that's realistic. I don't. If you told me a year from now that they'd be number one in the East at this point in the season, I don't think I'd believe you. So the fact that he's championed that success and really been an integral part of it, I don't think it's a weird statement to make at all. For me, yeah, it feels, I mean, go ahead, Gary. Well, I, said, I think the biggest surprise in the league is, is Cleveland. That um, too. <laughs> the 21-16, they lead the East in point differential, which means Mm. Yep, I understand. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. He right. Yeah, I mean, a, a LeBronless Cleveland is always going to be a shocker. That they're this good, this late in the season, and by late in the season meaning like after Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Taco Fall more than anybody. Did you say Taco Fall? Yeah, I did. I love Taco Fall. 
Also, we're trolls because if you are listening, Gary wasn't saying anything, so don't feel as though your audio went out. Yeah, That's we're just trolling it. Gary. Because you know he has that dial-up right now, so it's been a struggle for him. Yeah, you, you, does it still make that sound? That Kwani, <laughs> 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 what do you know about that? You know, I was know. on AOL, okay? Don't, don't try to play me right now. Don't try to play me. about that. Don't be Come on, Kawani. I can't. Uh, Gary got that phone plug in Wi Fi. <laughs> with, oh the co- with the little co op in where you put the phone in one one side and, the, and your internet in the other, and you plug it into your wall. Come on, Gary. Sorry, you got you, you your Wi Fi game up, Gary. Don't worry. We'll work on that. We, we, we got you. We got you covered. We got you covered. He's right, though. I mean, the more I think, yeah, Cleveland is the biggest surprise in, in the NBA because yes. they're Cleveland, and they typically right. suck. And, Gary, he's spot on about that. They typically suck, and they don't suck this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm shocked that – I mean, let me ask you this, Gary. I mean, why is Cleveland so much better this year? Um, they play defense, and they have the development of yep. – um, Darius Garland is a pure score. He said, listen, like, we're going to defend. We're going to do, like, we don't have superstars. We don't have the guys who can get us 40, but we have guys who can defend. We're going to make, we're going to ha- be really big, bigger than most teams. So we're going to make scoring in the paint difficult. So, and then they've gotten, I said, they've gotten, you know, r- before he got hurt, Ricky Rubio was playing great ball for them, you know, and, and they have a bunch of guys who, the Jetty Osmonds and 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 even Kevin Love has played really good ball. Like they've guys who have fit into their roles, no egos, and they play hard. And I think there's a semblance of like we want to make something of ourselves after LeBron left. And it's been a hard road. Remember, LeBron left in 14. So it's been seven to eight years now that Cleveland's been trying to find itself, stacking together lottery picks, you know, trying to put together a roster and finally this year with Mo with Garland you know they have and Jared Allen you know the trade to get them Jared Allen they have done that they're good they're, they're really good but there's a part of me that that is like none at the back of my head saying but Sherrod it's Cleveland it's Cleveland you know they're going to do something to mess this up you know they're going to do something to screw this up it's like when they're going to Knicks it's just like there has to something has to go wrong. Yeah, but the Knicks were so flawed and so fraudulent. I mean, and I and I love the Knicks. I, I love Tom Thibodeau what he can do in his first season, always in his first season. I first love season. him as a first season coach. Um, <laughs> his teams have a they have a tough time building off of that. But when we talk about Cleveland, we talk about you know Chicago. I want to bring it back home to the Celtics and and how do you see the Celtics and their future? Stacking up against those teams because it's clear that Chicago is like they kind of they, they they ain't going nowhere no time soon, mm-hmm. and Cleveland got a bunch of young pups who are playing well, but they still don't know what the hell they doing half the time out there. But they're finding a way to win games regardless. Where are the Celtics in this new norm of the NBA where you see a lot of young teams that are racking up wins when we're used to seeing young teams, frankly, getting that ass spanked with the regular? Where do the Celtics? What do you see them stacking up here? I mean, are they middle of the pack? Are they bottom of the pack? They ain't top of the pack, so we know that. I mean, 
when you're below 500 and there are eight other teams in front of you in your conference and those teams that you mentioned are all ahead, I don't think you can really bank on the Celtics being, I mean, at least consistent enough to get to that level just yet. Like all of these teams, the thing that they have in common is the fact that they have been consistent with the way they close out games and are able to win. And the Celtics still haven't been able to figure out how to do that until they can figure out how to consistently close out games. Then I wouldn't even want to put them in a conversation. Yeah. Um, my whole thing with the Celtics is this: they're good enough to pl- they're good enough to play with the elite teams of the East. We saw what they did. They right. beat Milwaukee twice, and then they could have beaten them in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, they Brooklyn spanked them. You can call that a bad game. Like they have beaten and played with the elite teams. But to play, remember that Chicago game they led by 19 at the end of the third quarter, and they just collapsed. Total choke job, right? So. If you are the Celtics, you know you have the talent to play with these teams. Right. You just have to be consistent. No lackadaisical quarters, no taking time off, no eight turnovers in a quarter, none of that BS away with at sometimes and sometimes it's been biting them in the butt during the first 37 games. That they almost lost the Orlando game, that they lost the right. Philly game, getting outscored 19, 18 to 6. They lost the Milwaukee game. Getting outscored 19 to 4 down the stretch. Like, you can't allow that to happen. If they don't allow those things to happen, they play a, a game where they commit 12 turnovers, not 22, where they are efficient, solid, no lapses. You know, they make a run, the other team makes a run. They can go to the conference finals. I think they have enough talent. It's t- talent's not a problem. I don't think Udoka looks on the court and says, this team ain't talented enough. He looks yeah. at the court and says, we can't, like, we don't, we're not consistent enough. We just lose our heads in games. We take bad shots. We take, we we, we don't get back on defense. We don't, um, we make silly globetrotter type plays when, you, when the basic pass, Robert Williams throw it behind his back on a fast break to somebody or Marcus Smart. But he had a jump. Yeah, yeah, we has a dunk. Marcus Smart throws it over his. Can't talk bad about Marcus Smart. It's gonna get you froze up every time. Mm-hmm. Stop that. If they if they can do that, but if they can't, like Kwani said, they're eighth, seventh seed. They're they're with the Charlottes, the Washingtons. All those teams are beating each other, right? Charlotte, Washington, like all those teams in the five, six. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're that. They're they, that's where they are right now. You know, to me, they have a chance, but they've got to be much better. Well, they have to be much better as a team. But within that conversation, there has to be someone that emerges that's not named Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. When you look at Cleveland, you look at Chicago, you start looking at all these teams that are near the top. Someone has emerged that may not necessarily been on everyone's radar at the start of the season. And I don't see that with the Celtics. I love what Grant Williams is doing. And if I had to put, like, my top five most improved players in the NBA, he's probably fourth or fifth on my list. But that's not going to get it done. You need more than a guy to be significantly better when they really weren't that good before. Because right now, Grant Williams is a solid, serviceable NBA player who should be – who I think has played well enough to where he's in – 
all, if not most, teams' rotations throughout the league. I think he's played well enough to where you, you can feel confident and comfortable. You've got mail. But Gary. <laughs> no. Gary. So you're trolling yourself? Wow. Damn. Oh, my goodness. See, I told you you had that AOL Wi-Fi from, from back in the actually has a, Like, how do you still have that system? <laughs> I still have an AOL count. Wow. This is be my day. He's popping his collar about the AOL count because, you know, at some point, this internet, at some point, we may have, Kwani, we may have to go back to plugging it in. And Look. if we do, G-Money ready. Gary is ready. ready. Cover all the bases. Yeah, I respect man. that. I respect that. Wow. <laughs> oh damn where was i okay i don't know no, y'all can't quote my house no, we're, no, but no the, the celtics though they listen they um they need somebody to be that dude we're not seeing as much of neesmith and pritchard and romeo and he talked about how you know he's getting great play out of schroeder he's getting great play out of uh, josh richardson and because those guys are playing not to, not just playing well. They're playing consistently well. They'll have a bad game here or there, but the, I don't think either one of those guys has had like maybe a two or three game stretch where they struggle. They've had a game or two every now and then, but for the most part, they've been one of the top five, top six players on this team night in, night out. And that makes it hard for guys like Pritchard when they get in there because there's so much, you know that this is, this is your shot. You know this is your moment to do your damn thing. And if you're a young guy, you may not be ready for that. You may need a little bit more runway uh, to to, get, to do the damn thing, and and we're seeing that. But I respect the fact that Ime is 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 straight no chaser about that. Like young fellas, y'all not playing because these OGs are better than you. These OGs are more consistent than you. That's why you're not playing. And so if you're a young buck, you got two choices: you either accept that and just sit on the bench and do your ML car thing and wave your towel. Or you bust your ass when you get in the game and make something happen. I like what I'm seeing from Pritchard now. He seems to have gotten the memo that I need to bust my ass and make plays when I get in the game because Dennis Schroeder, he's kind of better than me right now. And if I'm getting minutes, I need to show that I can outperform him at some point and make it so that if they decide to make a move and move Dennis on, they're confident that I can step in there and I'm ready to do that. Gary, you look skeptical. No, I'm not so sure Schroeder is better than Pritchard at this point. I don't think really. I think Schroeder's been wildly inconsistent. I think he's made a lot of bad on-court decisions. I think he has saved them in some games with his scoring, but I think lately he has not had a good stretch. Just some of the decisions he makes. Peyton, uh, I think, has deserved more minutes. I don't know if it's taken away from Schroeder's minutes, but he deserves to play more. But I also think that Schroeder is just game tested. He's been in a big game. You can trust him a little bit more. Um, you know, we'll see from Richardson what he provides because it seems like he's been the minute he gets going, he he got a foot injury or sickness or something. Richardson's kind of been to me not a disappointment, but I just thought we'd have we'd see more from him. I thought he would have more of an impact and he, there's times when he does play he does have an impact but then it'll be like you know lower back strength strain out to games like like they need to get somebody who can damn shoot the ball like come off the bench and hit threes someone who can come out like a, a just a, a specialist 
like a that's Desmond Bain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, something like somebody like I that. You know. I, Gary, I, I, I can't help but just scratch my head about that one because you know the the one thing that we've seen over the last decade with the draft is that older players, juniors and seniors in college, that you take near the end of the first round. Perimeter guys, they turn out to be pretty good. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Desmond Bain, his entire career at TCU, he made shots all four years. That's literally all he did. And you look at your roster, what do we need? We need somebody who can make shots. I understand the thinking behind him that, you know, he's an older guy and maybe he's limited. But you know what? I'd rather have three or four good years from a guy who I know is ready to make shots than to maybe have a guy that can have a longer career, but I got to develop and hope that he develops enough to where his upside is, is, is reached before he's on to another team. But anyway, um, I'm not going to crap on car on, on your boy. Uh, it's in the past. That's in the past. So Kwani. Yeah. For for being tardy, I, I'm, I, you should have to do like like laps or something, or 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 some type of like there should be some punishment. Um, oh, I wait, no, that would that would be me. That'd be too cool. Um, I was I was thinking about Kwani and, and all of her like you know commenters on on a new pitch oh that we God. we haven't really we haven't really gone to that. Where, I posted they, that last like, year. Oh, you make like last year was last year. Yeah, instead of five days ago. Mm-hmm. There you go. I got my jokes. You you got your jokes. You got your jokes. Well, look, outside of a, outside of punishment, I'm gonna be nice to you, Kwani, because it's a new year. I'm gonna try to be nice to people. Oh, in yeah. that, your, that was your goal. You did say that on the record. I did. I did. Which is why. Which is why I'm not gonna give you more <laughs> crap than I, I want to. Cool. So, Kwani, what you got coming up on NBC Ten? I still have the hub today. I actually have an interview with the DA. Uh, DA Rachel Rollins for okay. NBC 10 Boston. So that Knowing the be- DA is a good thing, Kwani. Yes. I, I will, I'll get into off-camera why it's a good thing, but having, being on good terms with the DA, I can tell you it is a good thing. I hope that I don't need to really know her, but I see what you mean. Um, she actually just got uh, selected to be the next U.S. Um, representative for the United States, uh, the attorney general or whatever. I don't, I'm still figuring out the logistics of that. But that would be a good. <laughs> I don't know. She got some little promotion with the U.S. She got some yeah, you know, Congress will get her like, in. I know the process. Somebody, somebody hooked her up with a new job. You know, she got, you know, she got a raise and all that. Like what? Yeah. She wants to She tell her that. So I'm gonna little, start with that. Promotion. What's up with that? Yeah, I heard something happened, and you're gonna get a raise. Can you explain it? Y'all hiring down there? To get <laughs> right. So anyway, okay. So uh, you're gonna talk to the to, to the DA person who got the got the, the new job hookup. Got you. Yes, yeah. Got yes. The new yes. What you got, Gary? Anything coming down the globe? Common sense? Anything we should be on the lookout for? Well, just continue self the coverage. Uh, you got a, this interesting set of games coming up, and then uh, more columns coming coming your way. My thoughts on Boston sports and, and other socials sports and society and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, get ready for that. So, yeah. Are we closing this up? We ain't got no discussion. We ain't got no more topics. Like, we close. Yeah, are you, Kwani, you guys going to be, Gary? Up, Kwani. 
We huh? never talked to you about Tristan Thompson. Oh my oh. gosh. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. You wow. are the father. <laughs> Again. Wow. That family is just, they live and breathe drama. And he is now part of that family, even if they're not married. I don't know they're not married. So he's part of I just of that. think that's, a, I think honestly, the disappointing part about that is like the Celtics thought he was all fully invested and locked in. And obviously, he is back, his off the court life is just taken away from his on the court. And he's still a relatively like young guy. I mean, I think he's 31, 30. He's not like he's 37 or just on his. I mean, he might be on his way out. Who knows? I don't, you know, I know he hasn't played as much with the Kings, but it's just really interesting how the Celtics had so much faith in him that he was, that he just said, oh, I'm ready and I'm ready to win championships again. And it's time for me to get back into playing high level basketball. But just, you know, even the stuff that we heard during last year and stuff, him being in the streets and, and just doing things, you know, that, some professional athletes do. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. NBA, WNBA, I don't care what it is. Pro athletes do things that they do. But just that it took away from his experience in Boston. And now he's really, you know, this whole thing. And, and it just it, it just doesn't put reflect well on his, his image and his reputation as a guy who was kind of a workmanlike dude who was just relentless. And all those years he tore up the Celtics with offensive rebounds mm-hmm. when those LeBron teams and and now he's just kind of like, you know, he's a meme. He really he is, is for the streets. And it's sad because every time I see his name trending on Twitter, it's never basketball related. It's never, oh, he had a triple-double or did something phenomenal on the court. It's always related to some kind of drama with a woman and or children. And I just don't think that should be, have been what he wanted his brand to be. But yeah. he decided that he wanted to be for the streets. And now we're seeing that play out in real time on a daily basis yeah. right and and for for me the 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 thing it's there's there's so many things about his whole situation that are troubling but the fact that he was so forceful about that is not my child we only we only got together one time okay. we had all the receipts and all the show that nah, and that's wrong and you that was wrong and you are. I mean, it was it was a it was like a real time Jerry Springer moment. Yeah. Uh, with Jerry, there wasn't a you know there wasn't no envelope to open. It was just like they took it to court and and they got the test and the test said you are the father. Also, it's, not to sound judgmental, but for me, it's just like especially with professional athletes, we know we've talked about how there are groupies and there are so many people that are after your money in different ways. I just don't understand why some people aren't smarter about the people they associate themselves with because obviously you're going to get women knocked up if you're being a little reckless about it so do, do they not think about that like now you have a paycheck no, they don't think about years. it like it doesn't make sense to me <laughs> well i i think it, it feeds into the the belief that i think a lot of professional athletes and a lot of people who have a certain status believe that whatever rules that apply to society don't apply to them Whatever pitfalls that will take other people down, I'm above that. That yeah. can't touch me. And it's not until they are touched mm-hmm. by those by those rules and, and, and things go sideways and people start giving them a side eye mm-hmm. and they realize, oh, crap, that was really bad what I did. And now the entire world knows I did it. Mm-hmm. That's when it sinks in that, oh, maybe I need to at least acknowledge that, you know, my shit needs 
fixing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Tristan's at that point. I, I think about him. I think about, you know, a guy like a- Antonio Brown, uh, who, I mean, it's, it's crazy to me. And, and again, I, I wrote about this for Ebony. It should be up later today or, or, or Wednesday about how. Shameless plug. Go ahead. Right. It's a shame. I remember. It's a shameless plug. But I, yeah. I, I wrote about it. It's, it feels as though the NFL is finally ready to kind of wash their hands of Antonio because he committed the greatest sin in sports, quitting on your team. Forget about all the other stuff that he did was just really effed up. Forget about the fact that, you know, all this, the sexual allegations and, and the helmet issues that he had yeah, in Vegas. People that had done services for him. Right. The fact that he couldn't even, he couldn't even stay in, in New England for two damn weeks before he effed that up and had to be, and, and got waived. Quitting on the game is, is what will ultimately be his swan song to the NFL. And but, it, it, it just, yeah. it, it's just, it, it, the idea that that's what it took for teams to be like, we don't want to touch this guy anymore. Uh, forget about all that other stuff, but it's this quitting on the team thing. That's that's what's going to really that's push. That's it. That was it. That was a tipping. But point. knowing the history of the league, I still think one obviously he's very talented. There is going to be a team that, if not already, is still going to try to express interest. In- navigate to see whether or not it's he's a risk worth taking even though other teams have already proven that he's not worth it three other teams have already at this point but someone's gonna want to snatch him up and to your point it took him quitting and not all the other allegations for them to even consider not putting them on putting him on an nfl roster so i think I this is gonna be it I'll, I'll say this i'll say this I, I think the tragedy of this whole thing okay is that nfl teams will continue to give Antonio Brown chances. He had sexual assault. He had uh, multiple charges. But then Colin Kaepernick is still sitting at home with guys like Mike Glennon and dudes starting like he won't get a call because he was political. But Antonio Brown can harass women and, you know, sexually assault women. But, hey, as long as he's clean and he can catch a ball, we're all good. The NFL is a very – interesting way of judging black men and and and, and allowing certain men in and, and not and um you know excluding and blackballing uh mm-hmm. you know pun intended uh, others and i just think it's it's just fascinating how antonio brown continue to get chances and kaepernick is still sitting at home while all half these teams are putting out pathetic quarterbacks and you know sam darnold's and all these guys uh, Joe Flacco's and all these guys that are and and these are multi these are billion dollar corporations and the quarterback is the most important position. You can see how the impact of a quarterback with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and even Drew Brees and Peyton Manning over the like the impact of that position and that so many teams will pass this one guy up because he was political and conscious, but yet Antonio Brown continues to get chances and i read Josina anderson's tweet yeah. who said there's teams still interested in him and he, it's going to be his choice whether to come back um when the Tampa Bay releases him like that just says a lot about our society and our judgment and, and nfl teams and owners are much really important to them because there's no way antonio brown should ever touch the football and people are like well who is more of a cancer uh t.o T.O. was a diva. T.O. T.O. didn't get no catch, no cases, and all that. T. He o. showed up. Yeah, T.O. wasn't in. The, he played the Super Bowl with a broken leg. Like, 
I'm a big T.O. guy because I just loved his style of play and all that. I didn't like the, the Sharpie was a little much, but actually the Sharpie was cool. I hated. Oh, well, who's more of a diva now? Like I see this. Oh, T.O. or it's no, not T.O. T.O. Yeah. T.O. didn't like his teammates. Right. Like some of those dudes, he didn't like them. You know, he didn't like. You know, he wasn't big on Donovan McNabb, and a lot of you players, had to bring that up, didn't you, Gary? Yeah, I'm sorry, seriously, Scott. <laughs> a lot of players have had issues with Donovan McNabb, but my whole thing is, it just shows you hypocrisy of the NFL, that where Antonio Brown is still on somebody's list, but Kaepernick, oh no, that's too much of a headache. But you got, I said, you see these ball games, especially this coming week, right when there's a week 17. And you're going to have a bunch of terrible, pathetic quarterbacks out there, guys you never heard of, guys off, get Garrett Gilbert, guys off the street playing the most important position in professional sports. But they will not give my man a call. But Antonio Brown, his sales going to buzz the minute that he says, hey, I got it. He comes up with some elaborate excuse about what happened with him and Arians and says, you know, he told me to F off or he said, something offensive, and I wasn't going to have that. All he's got to do is make up a story. All he's got to do is say, Arians told me, get out of what did said something to me offensive, and you, and people are going to be like, well, maybe. you know." So it, it just – the hypocrisy of the NFL is just fascinating. That's all. Yeah. It is. Go ahead, Kwani. No, that, I agree. It, 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 yeah. is, it is fascinating, and, and unfortunately it's consistent. Uh, the hypocrisy, their hypocrisy has been alive and well for a long time. And I don't, I don't know if it's ever going to go away. Um, I don't know if it's ever going to change. I don't know if it's ever going to improve to the point where a guy like Antonio Brown, who can have as many transgressions as he had, won't even be, an, it won't even be considered that you sign him uh, because of all the, the, the baggage that he's bringing. But the thing about Antonio, where I'm a little bit uh, leaning more on the side of him not winding up somewhere else, he's lost a step or two. He's not the same dominant player. He's good. He's still a good receiver. But teams, I think, are – there was a scale between this is what he brings to the team from a talent standpoint. This is the baggage. It's a little bit more balanced out now. And one would argue that it's probably, there's probably more baggage that he's bringing to the table than talent to your team. And if that's the case, it, it, it literally becomes a matter of just financial business sense. Is he worth the baggage? And I think before he got to Tampa Bay, because Tom Brady signed off on him, teams were like, you know what, if things don't work out there, we'll take a chance on him. But when he screwed up things in Tampa Bay the way he did, not only to the point where they got rid of him, but to the point where he showed his ass out the door. I mean, stripping off in the middle of a game, I don't care what your coaches told you. Just wait it out. I mean, go run into the locker room and just say, you're not coming out, you're not playing anymore. That's fine. You can do that. And if you decide to leave from there, go ahead. But the fact that he went so far and out, so dramatic in his exit, you know that if you're a team, I know he's still got talent, but damn, what if he did that on us? What if what if a coach told him something he didn't want to hear or he had some soreness that he maybe wanted to play through or didn't want to play through, but bottom line, he didn't want to be out there on the field. Is he going to – I mean, this time he went around and to the, to the you know, outside. Next time he may go to the middle of the damn field 
and just say nobody playing because I don't I'm not playing. Mm-hmm. You don't know if he's if he's going to do that or not. And the fact that no one can can, can feel confident that he would never do something like that. It's going to be harder for teams to justify bringing him in at this point. Because, again, the talent before was so great that it was deemed worth it. I don't think the talent is that good anymore. And that's the one thing that NFL teams have been consistent about, even in the hypocrisy. They're going to br- they're not going to bring in guys who are horrific unless there is a uh, – either there's a talent – or there is a comfort level that they bring. Because, Gary, to your point, all the crappy quarterbacks that they brought in and not Kaepernick, they're comfortable with them guys. They, they're, Those guys are potato chips, <laughs> apple dates, whatever your favorite little snack is, that's what those guys are. They're com- they make them feel comfortable. Kaepernick, he brings a little bit more substance to the table. And they, they, weren't, they weren't about that. They weren't about that. So – I'm looking at Antonio Brown. I just don't think he's going to be back. I just don't. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Hmm. So we'll, we'll find we'll out soon enough. Right. You know, I, we, I know he ain't playing for Tampa Bay. I do know that. He won't be playing for New England. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I, I wouldn't put it past New England. I'm don't just, sleep. After I said it, I realized Don't that. even sleep. I mean, the, the, well, let's put it this way. When he got uh, waived from the Raiders, he signed with New England the same day. Mm-hmm. Same day. Not a not a not, not a day passed yeah. where he was free to talk to anyone was he already a New England Patriot. So would anyone be shocked? No, you shouldn't be shocked. I'd be disappointed. Right. I would be disappointed, but I wouldn't be shocked. Because yeah. I, I and again it goes back to what I was saying earlier. I just don't think the headaches that he brings are worth the, the talent isn't worth the headaches that are going to come with him. I, I think that's ultimately the, the line that most teams, if not all 31 other teams outside of Tampa Bay, I think that's ultimately what they're going to decide on. The headache ain't worth it. So, Good podcast, team. We've talked about even, everything under the sun. Even, even with Corny coming in all late and tardy. Hey, maybe I should be late every week. I'm kidding. Wow. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Gary, you know she's thinking about it, right? You know she's thinking about nah, it, right? Nah, nah, nah. Let me make my regular routine. Let me just ease yeah. away into the podcast about 15 minutes late. And this kind of, you know, just pop in. What y'all talking about? What y'all talking about, fellas? What y'all talking about? We got to be out of here. We out of here. Corny, yeah. wrap us up, Corny. Wrap us up. Yes. Do, do that, Corny. Can you do that? Yes. I can do that. If you're listening and haven't subscribed already, thanks for getting this far into the podcast. Definitely subscribe, share with a friend, give us a review. Also, another shout out to our sponsor, betonline.ag. If you haven't signed up already, use that promo code CLNS50 for that signing bonus. And for Asherod Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwani A. Lunas. Thank you for listening to the A-List Podcast.